You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas is continuing his series on New Testament characters, now exploring the life of Andrew. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. This is New Testament character study number eight on Andrew. We've already had a lesson on Paul, and now it's uh, my intention to go through the twelve. Andrew, Greek Andreas, comes from the word for man. Aner, Andros. So Andreas, or Andrew, means something like manly. If you're listening to this and that's your name, you probably already know that. Now the rest of the world knows. Andrew seems to have been more cosmopolitan, more broad-minded, more Greek or Gentile than the other apostles, and thus he figures prominently in John's gospel, because John has a very universal focus. You remember Matthew's written for those from a Jewish background, Mark for those from a Roman background, Luke uh, more Greek. John is really written for the entire world and shows Jesus as the savior of all the world. Now in the later apocryphal writings, we don't accept these uh, for their historical value, but they may preserve some grains of truth. In the apocryphal writings, uh, we read that Andrew is from the tribe of Reuben, that his mother was named Joanna. But again, we cannot possibly assign a high degree of uh, credibility to these late sources. John says that Andrew is from Bethsaida, which is the home of Philip. This town has been excavated since the late 80s. In fact, uh, it's been more than 20 years since it was identified as a biblical Bethsaida. It wasn't uh, so easy to identify because it, you would think a fishing village would be right on the Sea of Galilee. But this is set back quite some distance on, on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. Perhaps you'll see it sometime. They even found the fish hooks um, among the, the uh, things that, were, were, that had fallen into the into the the stones, the foundation, as they were digging up, they found all the evidence that this is the biblical Bethsaida, home of not just Philip, but Andrew and his brother Peter. Peter and Andrew are brothers. Andrew was a simple fisherman, according to uh, Mark 1 and and Matthew 4. Let's talk about his ministry. He's the first called of the apostles. His appointment is noted in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. His mother-in-law was healed of her fever in Mark chapter 1. In Mark 13, we see that he has a curious and and yet commonsensical mind. When Jesus comments that the temple, the temple complex would be destroyed, he, along with James, Peter, and John, wants to know about this destruction of Jerusalem. And so he's part of that private talk with uh, Jesus. Bible interpreters understand that within the twelve, there were three who were particularly close to Jesus, James, Peter, and John. Andrew's inclusion on this occasion uh, may be just uh, incidental. I wouldn't read too much into it. But I would like to read from the Bible, from John 1, and uh, I'm going to read a few verses that, let's see what your conclusion would be. Let's see if you agree with my assessment of Andrew. And as I've been preparing for this lesson, I, I've seen some things I, that are new to me. And uh, 
Well, let's let the word speak for itself. John 1.40 Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John the Baptist had said and it would follow Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And then he brought Simon to Jesus. Andrew is a follower of John the Baptist, which shows that even before he met Jesus, he was a Jew who was looking for righteousness, who was willing to do more than just go through the motions, who was willing to follow the radical prophet John. And of course, John's message was not, you know, come follow me, I have all the answers. John's message was, I'm just a messenger preparing the way for the Lord. And when Jesus enters the public sphere, John basically uh, undoes his own ministry. I mean, he tells people, this is the one that I've been prophesying about. And, and so his followers in time transferred to Jesus Christ. Andrew was one of those. So he not only transfers his allegiance from John to Jesus, but the first thing he does is finds his brother Simon Peter and tells him, we have found the Messiah. Now I want to read from John 6. This is uh, from the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It wasn't obvious at first how this massive crowd was going to be fed. 5,000 men, not even counting the women and children. It's a massive crowd. And Philip looks at the situation and he realizes that it would take, you know, even if we had 200 denarii, we wouldn't be able to feed all these people. John 6, 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go? among so many. Andrew's as positive as he can be, and yet he's realistic. But he introduces this boy to Jesus. And we know what Jesus is able to do. And so he builds that connection. And then, John 12. A very interesting passage. uh, Right before the passion of Christ. We read that there were some Greeks who had gone up to, the, to worship at the feast. This is a, the feast of the unleavened bread and, and Passover. I'm in John 12, 20. There were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. May I interject here? Bethsaida was a more of a Gentile, more of a Greek-speaking city. So it's natural that they're going to pick the... Uh, uh, you know which one of the apostles to approach, they would pick one who, who shared a similar background with them as Philip did and, and Andrew. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. And then Jesus talks about his upcoming death. So here, he connects Greeks who had met Philip with the Lord. Now here's what I'm noticing. He is a man who builds connection. 
He sees the opportunity. He sees the truth in Jesus Christ. He introduces his brother. He realizes there's a problem. How can we feed the fish? Uh, How can we feed the people? Um, And he brings this boy to Jesus. And that is all Jesus needs. And then in John 12, when Philip says, there are some Gentiles, some Greeks, or perhaps they were uh, Greek Jews, but I think they they were probably more likely God-fearers, Gentiles who were just interested in in, uh, following the truth of Judaism. He connects them with Jesus. A man who builds connection who realizes that he's not the center of the story, but he can be an important facilitator. He isn't the central character on the stage, but he's a link in a chain. He can be used to bring people to the Lord. And so in Acts 1, it's no surprise to me that Andrew is praying with the apostolic band. He stays connected uh, before the day of Pentecost. Yet he's never again mentioned in Acts. The limelight is reserved for his brother Peter, Acts 1 to 12, and for Paul, Acts 13 to 28. Later tradition says that he preached among the Kurds and that he was stoned and crucified in Scythia. That's an an apocryphal document called the Martyrdom of Andrew. Again, when, when I refer to these apocryphal documents they come much later and they're of limited historical value but I think you'll find them interesting crucified in Scythia aren't the Scythians mentioned in the New Testament yes they are in just one place Colossians 3.11 and they were reputed to be wild untamable strong energetic to the Greeks and Romans the Scythians were uncivilized barbarian people Andrew, according to the story, was crucified. And not the normal kind of cross that we would imagine, or the Tau cross, which looks like the letter T, but rather what came to be known as the St. Andrew's cross. It just looks like a big X. And Andrew, being the patron saint of Scotland, has that X, that St. Andrew's cross, uh, on the Scottish flag. In the notes, there's a link you can click on uh, to see that image. When it became fashionable to hold on to the relics of a martyred saint and preferably even to build your church building with uh, one of his relics in a little box called a reliquary in the foundation of the church, Andrew's relics were discovered. And later, his arm uh, was uh, purported to be in Scotland. Well, you can see we're moving way outside of, of the biblical story. Andrew is one of the twelve, the first called of the apostles. He connects his brother Peter with Jesus. He introduces the boy with the fish and the bread to Jesus. And he brings the Greeks who um, approach Philip also to Jesus. This suggests a number of lessons for you and me. The Lord can always use an Andrew, someone who introduces others to Jesus Christ. Not necessarily your own family member, though we want our families to know the Lord. Andrew was someone who reached out to all people. That is one of the 12 
um, he would have had experience, not recorded in the scripture, of uh, meeting strangers and introducing the message of the kingdom to them. We should be vigilant, second lesson, aware of our surroundings and the potentialities in those around us. Even if we don't understand where it all leads, how the Lord will take the little we found to work his purposes or, or what the Lord will do with this new person we've, we've introduced to him, we should be vigilant and, and aware um, of great things that can happen. Third, faith is intended to be relational, not just individual. We live in a society which, where it's all about me and my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but my New Testament nowhere speaks of this. It doesn't talk about our personal relationship. It talks about being in Christ, but it talks much more about our corporate relationship with each other and with the Lord as the community or the church of Christ. So faith is intended to be relational, not just individual. Andrew uh, understood this and he allowed God to use him to augment the network of relationships built up in connection with Christ's followers. Fourth lesson, very few of us will be in the limelight like Peter and Paul. And similarly, I guess you could say history uh, has a short memory, and it's only going to remember the most significant figures. But limelight or not, we're all to be active in our Christian ministry. We may be, well be eclipsed by our brother Peter, by a family member, or a friend, who we helped become a Christian. But that's okay. Because, lesson five, let us all serve the Lord to the very end, no matter how painful that end may be. We hope you enjoyed Douglas' teaching on New Testament characters. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas' teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.